You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome once again to the Revision Path Podcast, episode 60. Happy New Year to everyone listening. I hope you had a really good break and rang in the new year in style. My name is Maurice Cherry, and I've got a great interview for you today. But before I get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. This week's episode is sponsored by Gareth Bowles. Thanks so much for supporting Revision Path, Gareth. I really appreciate it. Funding for Revision Path comes from our big three, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. Did you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, One of mine this year for my business was to grow my email list by 10 times the current number. Now that sounds like a lot, but MailChimp will totally be able to accommodate my list as it grows, and I'll get to take advantage of a lot of features that are great for big lists like segmentation and grouping. Get your free MailChimp account today at MailChimp.com. When you're looking for the best place to register a domain name, you ask the people who know a lot about domains, and that's Hover. I just launched a new short daily podcast series called The Year of T, and grabbing a domain at Hover was a breeze. Purchase a domain today and use the promo code RESOLUTION and save 10% off your first purchase. Hover.com, they've got you covered. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, photos, themes, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. Now, this podcast comes out on Monday, and because it's Monday, Creative Market has six free goods for you to download today. Three of them are free on the website. The other three are free once you're a fan of theirs on Facebook. So head over to creativemarket.com, check them out, let me know what you think. Now, you may remember back in July of last year when I had a few presentations up for vote for South by Southwest 2015. Well, one of those presentations, uh, called Where Are the Black Designers, was chosen for this year's event. But I need your help to make it a reality. I've got a link in the show notes to my GoFundMe campaign. With your donations, that will help me make it out to Austin for South by Southwest, and I'll even be able to conduct some interviews while I'm there, which I think would be pretty awesome. And one more thing, Revision Path is excited to partner with Lesbians Who Tech for the 2015 Lesbians Who Tech Summit in San Francisco. Save 25% off registration with the code LWTREVPATH. Uh, There'll be a link to it in the show notes, so check that out. All right, let's get on with this week's interview. When I asked graphic designer and letterer Marcus Williamson about the skills that a designer needs today, here's what he had to say. You know, like go to Walmart or go to your nearest art store and go ahead and purchase a pack of pencils and get a sketchbook. And whether or not you can draw, just get after it. Like start drawing and start doodling and start like lettering and just do it, right? Um, just keep getting after it when it comes to This is Revision Path. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Marcus Williamson, and I am a graphic designer and letterer. How did you get into doing lettering? I've always been curious about that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So, it's a long story. So, I'll just start from the beginning. Like when I was a little kid, I um, used to draw all the time. Um, So I was big into illustration. Like that was my thing. My dad was an illustrator and just really great artist in a sense and he stopped and then somehow some way like I picked it up after him and really got into it did the whole all the art classes art AP the whole nine and then for whatever reason I burned out right when I got into college 
I switched my major from design to uh, sport and entertainment management. Oh, okay. went down. Yeah, it's crazy. I went down that track, wanted to be the commissioner of the NFL, <laughs> to say the least. And so, like, I was very bent on that. Did a couple internships with a, uh, one with the team and one with the organization here in Columbia. And then I just found out, I was just like, yeah, like, I don't know if this is a thing for me. And so right around that time, I started doing work for campus organization here at USC called BCM. And so they needed someone to do design and I just started doing design. So uh, I learned kind of like, or re-up back on the fly, if that makes any sense. So, cause I had stopped really drawing and stopped design uh, during my college days, but I got back into it after. And from there, I just learned a lot of things online. And then after that, I started working for this church or was in the uh, residency program here at this church called Midtown Fellowship. And I really started honing my craft a little bit more when it came to lettering. And that's kind of when I really got into it around that time, maybe a little bit before. I can't remember exactly. But like right around that time, that's when I really started messing with like lettering and stuff. So kind of stumbled upon it. But yeah, like I just kind of really enjoy doing lettering. That's just like one of my my joys. Lettering and and hand lettering, I guess, to an extent are something that I'm seeing pop up a lot in design these days. Like it seems to be super popular. What kind of tools and things do you use when you're creating your hand lettering work? Yeah. So mostly it's mostly just pencil and paper in the beginning. Okay. So I have, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Like I have this one pencil that I only use typically. <laughs> it's crazy how small it is now, but I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards when it's gone. But yeah, so I do that first and then I use the stylus, the, the tablet and just go from there. Like I, I use, I scan it in, scan the paper in, and then I just pen tool it up and like I get pretty detailed with it. Oh, so you work like through it in Illustrator and stuff? Yeah, so I just throw it up in Illustrator and then I like, you know, I increase the size and then I just like <laughs> monotonously just go through every little like crevice of the drawing. And I know some people don't do that, but I tend to like to do that for a lot of different reasons. Tell me about the work that you're doing now at uh, Midtown Fellowship. Yeah, so I did what's called a residency program. And so these are for people who just want to kind of give back to the church and also for people who want to be become pastors. And so for me, someone like kind of approached me and just said, hey, like your name came up during one of our meetings. We really like to just hang out with you and talk with you about residency and just to see if this would be something you would like to do. And so after like thinking on it and praying on it for a little while, I decided to do it. And basically what I did was I helped with like all the series designs. So we had a couple series, one called The Good Life, and then other series, Luke, Abad, all these different series. And so I would help with like all the series art, the lobby installation, designing books, the whole nine, like just anything that went with that. Then I did like other designs, just the small little web things and other little things, printed materials, all the little things as well. Now, when you say series design, are these like series of of sermons or workshops? Right, right. So it's like uh, we call them campaigns now, I guess. But yeah, so they're a series of sermons. So like The Good Life was X amount of weeks, right? And then Abide was like during the summer. And now we're going through Luke, 
which is crazy because we're going through Luke for like a year, which is typically unheard of um, in many circles. But yeah, like it's pretty cool to be able to design for our church family. Yeah, I saw the Luke pieces that you had on your portfolio. There's also like these really big almost like large scale installations and there's there's wood burnings yeah. that, that go along with it. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, man. That was actually a lot of fun. I don't know how it all transpired, but I do remember a couple things like uh, we were going back and forth on the books. So we we're trying to figure out how to best display the books and mm-hmm. like what looked the best, but also what was actually functional. And I typically lean on the side of like what looks better Whereas one of my communications pastors named Kent Bateman, he typically is more function oriented. He doesn't mind a good design. He doesn't mind what looks good. But at the same time, like when it comes to functionality, he's big on that. And so (laughs) it was funny because we were trying to go like, do you know the old school like IRS little notebooks? Mm -hmm. Like small. (laughs) We almost went with that. And I was kind of fighting for the wood because it looked a whole lot better <laughs> than the IRS book, uh, little notebooks. And so finally, for whatever reason, uh, we went with the wood books and I was super elated. But that meant, you know, actually getting to it and working pretty hard. So we ordered all the stuff for it. And there's a local dude named Josh Cox here. He owns uh, the shop called Reclaim Workshop. And mm-hmm. um He's a really cool dude. And so we asked him to help out with it and say, yep, let's do it. And so uh, I got a chance to actually be a part of that process and actually like, like burned a ton of wooden booklets, like a ton. <laughs> well, it's interesting that I guess when I think about design and churches, I'm thinking because I'm, I'm in Atlanta. So when I'm thinking about design and churches and I guess how that all works out and shakes out. I don't really see where there's a, a big consideration towards design. It's more about utility. So when I saw the work that you're doing, you know, kind of, it really breaks out of what I think most people would think of as, as church design, so to speak, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's <laughs> me and um, Kent and a couple of the guys that are there in the re- who were in the residency. We talked a little bit about that and how it's like, man, like you look across the board, there's only a few churches that are allowing like the designers there to really branch out and to really like get after it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like there's a couple churches, Mars Hill is one of them, Elevation, New Spring. There's a couple churches that are really getting it when it comes to design. And so for us, like, I guess it just kind of worked out that we were at the right place, right time and everything just kind of, lined up to where we could uh, really like push after design a little bit more to kind of match our uh, style of like sermons and style of just who we are as a midtown. Mm -hmm. Are there any kind of special considerations that, that are present when it comes to doing church designs like that? I mean, like outside of the obvious, like, you know, no profanity or nudity or anything like that, but are there any sort of other special considerations? Not really, man. With us, like we, I'm not saying we push any bars. Like, I don't think we like push any bars by any stretch. It's just a matter of like actually being creative and actually looking at different inspiration and being challenged. Like for the Good Life, the Good Life series we did, I want to say I drew something up before and it was shot down 
which for me at that time, that was like the first thing I really designed for Midtown. And I was kind of shook up a little bit because I was just like, whoa, wait a second. No one, I've never gotten really turned down before with my design. This is weird. This is different. But in actuality, like that was super healthy for me. And yeah, like I was able to produce something else totally better. And that only came by being shot down. And that helped our I would like to think that helped our series even more down the road. So with that being said, like there's really nothing other than going through the gauntlet of seeing, you know, okay, what does everybody think about this? I mean, like other than that, I don't know what else there is. You know, you said profanity, nudity and all that stuff. Yeah. Like that's definitely like, you know, off the table, but outside of that, man, I don't think there really is anything. Okay. How would you describe your personal design style? Do you have any particular influences? Yeah, I've kind of been up and down in a lot of different areas when it comes to who I dig when it comes to design. But lately, like over the past couple of years, like I, I've really liked this guy named John Cantino. I, I had a feeling you were going to say his yeah, name. <laughs> dude, he is solid when it comes to design. And he really, really like pushes after it, which I love to see. So him, I want to say Jessica Hish is another one. Hopefully I'm saying her name right. Hopefully she doesn't come after me. But like she's really good. There's just another guy named uh, James Graves. He's a solid designer as well. There's a dude in Charleston, uh, not too far from here. His name is Jay Fletcher. He's really good as well. Mary-Kate DeWitt. Like, I can just keep going on, man. Like, there's so many dudes. Johnny Cupcakes is is also solid. James White um, from Signal Noise. He's mm-hmm. a really cool dude. Got a chance to meet him. He came here to Columbia for... Um, Converse. Yeah, exactly. For a couple talks here. And so he, he crushed it and got a chance to actually sh- shake hands with him. It was funny. Like, I actually helped introduce him to the guys here. I'm actually here at the creative space now, just hanging out. But I introduced him to the guys, at least name-wise. Like, I dropped the name. I don't want to say I'm introduced person to person, but, like, name-wise. Like, I got a chance to tell Gene about, said, hey, like, I think James White's going to be a dude that you want to, like, hook up with and and see. And so he was able to contact him and get, get him booked. And the rest is history. They, <laughs> they're, I think they're best buddies now. It's nice. So one thing I noticed, you know, from not just from talking with you, but also while going through your portfolio, is that your work has a very strong connection to your faith, to Christianity. And it looks like you mix your faith and your work pretty seamlessly. I had also mentioned this to him. There's another designer that I interviewed a couple of months back uh, that's in Ghana named Jeffrey Maynou. And I sort of asked him the same question. Have there been any sort of benefits or downsides to that mix of, of your faith and your work? Yeah, so benefits, it just kind of allows me to be who I am, right? So mm-hmm. it just says, hey, like, here's a dude that's a Christian. Cool. And then it also just allows me to, like, just design. And, like, if you're a good designer, you're a good designer. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a great designer or anything above that, but, like, just hearing other people talk about what I do, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, man, like you're a good designer. And really, that's all people care about. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, does your work prove what you can do? Right. People don't are not as worried about whether you're a Christian or not. It's just more so if you can do the work, if you can do the work, then you can do the work. 
Mm-hmm. And so like there's never been like a backlash or anything because of my faith. And it's only benefited me because people know up front who I am. That makes sense. I, I can I can understand that. I get that. So you're in, in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm here in Atlanta. And one thing that I noticed when it comes to a lot of the coverage of the design community, and this is starting to change a little bit, but a lot of coverage of the design community seems to ignore the South. Like mostly anything that's between D.C. and Florida, you really don't hear a lot about. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think it's because the South just hasn't really marketed itself well. <laughs> uh-huh. And and I say that and I don't want to belittle like the people who have gone after it and gotten after it and actually done it super well and actually have gotten, you know, mainstream attention and all that type stuff. But as a whole, I don't think we've done a, a solid job as maybe like per se, like the North has done. Obviously, you know, New York, Chicago, all those big places and even you know Ohio and all the other places that are up north, like they've just done a really good job. And they kind of, in a sense, corner the market, I guess, because, you know, the media is up there, too. Right. Right. And so with all that stuff in there, like it just kind of kind of helps them even more. But it's crazy, man. As I say that, like you, you mentioned Converge, I still think Converge is like the perhaps I could be wrong. You may debate me on this one, but I think it's the best conference down south, if not on the East Coast right now in terms of like design and what they're trying to do here. Again, it's not every conference, but like I think with what they're doing and what product they're like pushing out, like they're one of the best. And that's here in the south. And then there's like a couple designers that are here right here in Columbia, right here, like in Charleston, Greenville that are super solid. As well, just Atlanta's got a plethora of people in Florida starting to really like make some waves as well. So we're like, we're not there yet. We're still the little brother, but man, like the older brother has to get old eventually. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> eventually, I think we're going to get there, man. I think it's just a matter of, you know, us just keep pushing it and doing things like what you're doing now, just like uh, showcasing people and you know, like putting people out there, seeing it whether they can sink or swim. So tell me, what's the design scene like in Colombia? Dude, it is growing. This, like I said, like I'm in this creative space right now. And what's cool is that Colombia has never had a creative space. In other places, uh, Atlanta has a good bit. I want to say Florida does too and other places do. But like Colombia has never had one. This is the first of its kind and we are growing, dude which is really cool to see. Um, I got a chance to be a part of this from the onset and to see the people that are coming through here, the people that are actually getting it. It's like, oh, I don't have to work at home? Oh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, there's other creatives in this city? Oh, that's cool. Oh, we get to just hang out and watch movies and do fun stuff? Yeah, that's cool too. Let's do it. Let's build that bond. Like it's starting to grow, man. And I, I think that's what's happening all over the South that people are starting to like meet other people in this creative community. And I'm just super elated about that. What's the name of the space that you're at? It's called Soka. Okay. Um, co-work space. So yeah, man, like if you're ever down here, if you're ever here in Columbia, man, stop by. Yeah. I'll let you know. Definitely. 
So were you always kind of a really creative person? Like was creativity a big part of your childhood and everything? I know you mentioned your father being an illustrator. Yeah. So because my dad drew a lot, that kind of just lent itself for me to kind of follow in that. And that's kind of what I did. I used to draw super late at night, get up drawing. Like I would just draw all the time, man. I was the kid, like most designers and most creative people. Like I got in trouble, you know, for drawing on the side of my paper and all that type stuff. And then I was also <laughs> the kid who got asked to draw Bart Simpson and Sonic the Hedgehog and all these other different, you know, cartoon characters mm-hmm. because it was like, oh man, he can draw, draw me this and draw me that. So yeah, like just from beginning, like, I was, in a sense, you know, creative to that level to where I would draw a ton. And then it just kind of grew from there uh, into like, you know, design from a computer and, you know, ideation kind of grew from there. And I know you said in college that you had ended up switching at one point to sports and entertainment management. What what facilitated that? Was there something that happened that made that change? Yeah, a couple of things like I burned out, I felt like. It just like I had been doing it for so long. I mean, when you start at age of like three or so, like <laughs> eventually it's just like, huh, I kind of want to do something else. Yeah. So that was part of it. Then the other part was honestly was, man, how can I actually make money at this? This is like when you have so many people speaking to you and just saying how like, dude, like you need to figure out a means of income because science mm-hmm. is not going to cut it. And at that time, like, I didn't know any better, right? So I didn't even know this community existed. I was, I mean, I'm in a little town called Lancaster, South Carolina. Like there are creative people there, but like when it comes to design, like I'm probably the most creative person that's come out of Lancaster when it comes to design. And it shouldn't be like that. That shouldn't be the case because I'm not the most creative guy in the room typically. But yeah, so Coming out of all that, it just happened to be one of those things where I was just like, all right, let me find something else. What else do I like? And I really enjoyed sports at that time. And so I was like, okay, let me get my hand at sports. And then from there, I was just like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, let me shoot for the top. Let me just go ahead and shoot for where I want to be. And I had heard that Commissioner Goodell, current commissioner for the NFL, he, I want to say like when he was a kid or when he was in college or something or another, like he like messaged all the teams of the NFLs, just stating who he was and what he wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of did a similar thing. I like messaged him about it. Just said, hey man, like I read your story, da, 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 da. And like, I really want to like get after this. And what's funny is that like a generic message came back. Mm-hmm. He sent like <laughs> a generic, like picture of him signed and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, that's how it's going to be, huh? And I was, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> then. I'm just going to have to get after it. And then when I meet you, then I'm going to have to tell you up in <laughs> front person. <laughs> and so I, um, I really went after it, man. But after like my first internship, like I saw how cutthroat it was. Like it's a very, very cutthroat business. And I had heard all my time in college that it's all about who you know and not what about and not about what you know. So I'd heard that the entire time and I thought I believed it. It wasn't until I actually got into the business and worked in the business that it remained true. Like, dude, I worked my tail off. Like I worked really, really hard. And I consider myself someone who generally works, tries to like blue collar it and just really get, you know, head down, nose down, just 
roll up my sleeves, really get after type person. And I did that, didn't receive like any recognition so much and didn't really get any pop with anybody. But the other interns who were there, they, I don't know, I, I think they just knew more people and knew how to work the system better than I did. And it was just so funny. I was just, I found myself at nights, like just getting super frustrated because I was like, I know I'm working, like, I know I'm working hard. It's not that I'm not working hard. Like, why am I getting like looked over? And it went back to that phrase. Like, it's all about who you know. Like, it's not about what you know and what you do necessarily. And they were just better at the game than me. And so eventually I was just like, you know what? I don't know if this is for me because if it's this cutthroat, if it's this intense, it only gets harder when you go to the top. And so I wasn't willing to like compromise like who I was in order to get to the top. And like, that's just kind of my thing. Like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Do you find that that same notion of it's not what you know, but who you know plays out with design as well? It depends on what you're trying to do. So like, like I was saying earlier, like you need to be a good designer. Right. And so um, that means a lot of different things. Some for some people, it just means they work a little bit because it's like innate and it's in them. And it's just like, man, dude, like, how are you crushing so quickly on things? So for them, it's that for other people, it's you work extremely hard and you really get after it. And then from there, then people will notice your work. I feel like I don't think knowing people will necessarily get you ahead getting you ahead will actually be based off of if you're actually good or not. I got you. At least that's, at least that's what I see from my, like, I don't know where you've been and how you've gone about this process. But for me, like, that's what I've seen. Like, if you're good, you're good. And if you put like your, like your work speaks for exactly. Like if you put your work out there and people love it, then that's what it's based off of. And everybody. And when I say good, my good may not be your good, may not be John Catino's good, may not be, whoever's good. You know what I mean? Everybody has a distinct style and everybody has like their own thing, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like there's some work, you know, you look at Picasso's work or you look at all these other different like painters. And sometimes you're just like, dude, how did you like paint one line with a red stroke and then made like thousands off of that one thing? It's just like, how did you do that? Like I could do that in my sleep. And yet you did that. It's just like, well, that dude's work spoke for itself. You know what I mean? Like he did his thing and spoke to a crowd of people that really loved who he was. And that same thing is for me as for other people. Like, uh, so I don't want to get too comparative in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, like John Catino is the greatest person ever or Maurice is the greatest person ever or, you know, whoever is the greatest person ever. It's like, well, yes, but they also just speak to their clients well, <laughs> which is a huge deal being able to like do good design for your client. And that's where it kind of stems back to. So speaking a little bit, you know, we're kind of riffing off of this concept of like, it's, it's who, you know, for instance, have you had any mentors or anyone that sort of helped you along the way? Yeah. So for me, like I look at inspiration through a lot of different people. So like I said, John Catino, James Graves, Jess Kish, like all these different type of people. And I would consider them mentors from afar. I'm sure other designers would say the same thing. Um, okay. And then like just locally, like uh, Kent Bateman, I mentioned him. He's the communications pastor at Midtown. Like I would say he's one that like I learned from. 
when it comes to just being a little bit more sound and functional with stuff. And then some of the guys here, like I pick up things from just a lot of slew of people, just learning little tidbits here. And mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't say I necessarily have one bona fide mentor, someone who's really taken me under his wing, so to speak. But I've learned from a slew of people. What's some great advice that you've been given as it relates to design? Sorry, this is super cliche, but just keep it simple. Okay. Like, that's so true, man. And just going back to, like, the church world, so, like, kind of re-upping on that. Man, so many churches, dude, they they don't know how to keep it simple, right? Like, they really, like, put every – the kit and caboodle yeah. in all their – in all their, like – publications and their like bulletins and their you name it banners whatever 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 and it's just like no like that's not it's not good design what do you do <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that a lot from mega churches like it's almost to the point of ostentatiousness where there's so much ornament around it that it, i feel like it would obfuscate the message yeah it's so inundated and then from there then like even their simplicity when they try to go simple is too simple. So it's almost like they live on extremes, you know, there's no happy medium. Either it's too simple or it's too complicated. <laughs> As a designer, how do you think that you can improve? Do you think there's anything like your processes or anything? Oh man, it's, it's be better? there's so many things. I am everything you see, like I'm not technical at all. So Kent is very technical. The guy spoke about like he's very technical and I'm still trying to learn just how to be more sound in that because he graduated with a communications degree. <laughs> so he knows how to be <laughs> very technical for me. I graduated with a sport and entertainment management degree. I am very street smart right now. <laughs> so I'm not technical at all. Like I fly by the seat of my pants a lot of times. And like I said, like, When it comes to design, whatever looks good to me, that's what I do for the most part, rather than being technical. Now, I've grown in that. Like, I've gotten a lot better with my grid system. I've gotten a lot better with just a lot of different things. I mean, I've learned in design for Pete's sake. So being more technical is something that I could grow in, like, constantly um, because I'm not natural at it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So based on, you know, kind of the work that you're doing, I know that we have students that are listening to this or people that are are interested in kind of getting into design, you know, maybe sort of at an entry level type of way. What skills do you think a a designer needs in this current design world? Yeah. A couple things like, like go to Walmart or go to your nearest art store and go ahead and purchase a pack of pencils and get a sketchbook and whether or not you can draw just get after it, like start drawing and start doodling and start like lettering and just do it. Right. Just keep getting after it when it comes to that. And then from there, like scan whatever you've drawn, no matter how ugly it looks, (laughs) scan it in. And whether you use a mouse or a Wacom tablet or whatever, like pen tool and learn the pen tool. Because um, a lot of times like for people when they start out, they don't want to really like use the pen tool. They just want to like get after it with Photoshop and like really do all these enhancements and all this other stuff. But it's like, no, like go into Illustrator and use the pen tool and, (laughs) and really hone that craft. And then once you get there 
and and feel like you've really like done it after so many hours, not minutes, like hours, maybe days. After you've done that, then then go to Photoshop and work in that. What's the best idea that you've had? Like it can be a personal project, it can be a work project or something. What's the best idea that you've had that just didn't make it to fruition? <laughs> yeah, goodness, man. There's uh, there's a ton of ideas. So there's there's this idea right now that I have in my head, and this is totally unrelated to design in a sense. Like my girlfriend, she's a teacher, and she teaches what's called Montessori. So she teaches like three grades all at once. So she yeah. teaches like first through third. And for me, like, it was just like, oh, what in the world is that? Like, I've never heard of that. But anywho, like, she does that. And like, I know a lot of other teachers. And I was wondering, like, if there was like a solid conference out there for teachers. And so, like, I've been thinking on that for a good little while. And it hasn't come to fruition just mainly because I really haven't gotten after it. And I know that's not what you're asking, but like I've, I've been thinking about it today. So I figured I'd just mention that, like it just hasn't come to fruition. And then there's a lot of other ideas that just never make the cut. If that makes any sense, because I get it with yeah. my design because <laughs> I still have to like design. <laughs> and so I have ideas like that all the time where she's like, man, like I really wish there was this or man, what about this? I actually, it's funny that you talk about this. Like I, there's this one dude, his name is Steven Bateman and I call him up. Anytime I have a design, doesn't matter where I'm at, doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like I will call him up or at least text him and say, hey, I'm about to call you in case it's like super late or something with an idea. And it happens on the regular. What keeps you motivated and inspired? I can still get better, man. Like I think that's enough motivation for me to continue to get after it that I haven't arrived and that I'm not here to kind of rest on my laurels, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I can get better with design. I can get better with my communication skills. I can get better with emailing people back. I can get better with, <laughs> I can get better with so many different things, man, that it's just like, well, Hey, like I'm not, you know, while I'm striving for, uh, and trying to reach for that, like, I know that I'm never going to, you know, obtain it officially, you know, in the sense that I'm going to be perfect and everything, but um, uh-huh. I still want to like reach after it, even though I, you know, I probably won't necessarily get after all of it. If you weren't doing design, what do you think you would be doing? Would it? I don't know if it would be sports management because, like you said, that's a, a bit more cutthroat than you expected. Yeah, that that's definitely a bit of a wash. I don't, hmm, I don't know, man. I think I would just like work at a coffee shop or, you know, work somewhere in retail or something like that. I worked at Chick-fil-A for a good little while and I really enjoyed that just to be able to interact with people and um, do that. So like retail would be kind of cool to kind of get back into and just kind of do that. Or maybe even like owning my own shop or something Mm -hmm. like that, just to kind of do that. Because when you're creative, man, there's so many different outlets that you can get after. Right. So even though I, I wouldn't do design, if that was the case, if I, if I didn't do design, then there would be some other like creative something out there mm-hmm. that I would eventually find myself into because I'm just naturally creative. Like that's just who I am. Do you have any big plans or anything for 2015? 2015. Nothing too crazy right now, or at least nothing I can say right now. Cause mostly I just kind of fly again. I fly by the seat of my pants. Like I, 
a more of a day-to-day, week-to-week kind of person. <laughs> okay. I know that setting goals and all that stuff is great. And I know a lot of people who do that and I love them for it because I look to them for all that type of stuff. But for me personally, um, <laughs> I tend to like just go week by week and maybe month by month. But outside of that, man, 2015, I don't know. I know I'll be designing. That much I do know. <laughs> all right. Hey, that's that's enough, you know. I mean, like you said, it, it really is going to depend on the work that you're doing and where you're going since, like you said, planning in advance. I, I'm sort of that way, too. When it comes to that, because people ask me, like, well, what's your what's your, you know, five year plan or something like that? I really don't know. <laughs> it, it's because there's so many different things that I could do or can do. It's hard for me to have that tunnel vision to say I'm going to do this. And this is the one thing. There's no telling which way the wind will blow exactly. in terms of what you know, you'll do. What's that saying? Like you make plans and God laughs. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, one, of, that kind it's of one of those things where it's just like like. Always tell people like who knows the future. I certainly don't. So <laughs> there's no reason for me to really, you know, like I can plan. Yes. So so the Bible does talk about how you can plan and like God will order the steps in terms of that. So I do get that that part. But at the same time, like the Bible talks about like like you not knowing the future. And for me, like I'm hopefully I'm not using that out of context. But I gather that to think that it's just like hey, like. Treat today as today. And, you know, for me in the design world, just hustle today, like hustle today, hustle tomorrow. And that's all you can really do. Like you can plan and that's cool, but plans can change because things can happen. You don't really know the future. So don't always bank on it. Right. Well, Marcus, just to wrap things up, where can our audience find you online? Yeah, they can find me mostly on Behance. If you just type in Behance, I want to say .net. You can find me via that, and it should be, I want to say, slash my will. So M-A-W-I-L-L. And you have, like, other social network links and things on there, too? Yeah, so they'll be able to find, from there, they'll be able to go everywhere. Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Dribble, Twitter, all that type stuff. And I generally just send people there. That way it's a little easier for everybody so they're not trying to remember everything. <laughs> that makes sense. I got you. Awesome. Well, Marcus Williamson, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me. I know and <laughs> before we were recording, you were kind of a little hesitant about doing the interview, but I got to say you did really good. It was a really, it's a really good interview. So thank you for just sharing about the work that you're doing and your insights and things like that. This has really been helpful. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for reaching out again. I really appreciate that big time. And that's it for this week's show. Big thanks to Marcus Williamson for talking with me. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Marcus's work. The links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Big thanks to Gareth Bowles for sponsoring this week's episode. And thanks again to our always amazing sponsors, MailChimp, Hovering, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. They've got great templates that work with any email client. Their customer service is top-notch. And like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, they can accommodate lists of nearly any size. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Get a free account today. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code RESOLUTION at checkout. 
Lastly, there's Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators around the globe, creativemarket.com. I think you'll really find something there awesome to use on your next project, so check it out. I think you'll be pleased. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, They See Me Growing, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps get new listeners. It helps more people find out about the show. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is a 318 Media Project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and let us know. Leave a tip in our tip jar, sponsor an upcoming episode, or join at the $5 fist bump level to show your ongoing support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.